Welcome to the Alpha Ministries podcast. Alpha Ministries is a recovery church whose mission is to teach individuals and institutions to recognize and apply the gospel of grace, building stronger families and communities. Today's podcast is sponsored by TJB Web Media. It's a New Jersey SEO marketing and WordPress web design company for businesses, churches, and nonprofits. It is ranked number one. It is the number one company in Google for New Jersey SEO company and New Jersey internet marketing. Check out their information in our show notes. Today's podcast is part 12 of Walking Backwards, a series John has been teaching on Sunday mornings at Church in the Woods at Freedom Ranch. You can check out all the information in our show notes. And without further delay, here's Johnny. The rest of the people will come in later. <laughs> I'm thinking that this would probably be a good time to give you a sermon entitled, You Think It's Hot Here? It has been hot, record-breaking hot. Okay, church, let's get started here. You know, for the last, I don't know how long it's been, probably three weeks or so, maybe four, we've been focused in on this one aspect of our life and the lifestyle we live here on earth as believers. We've been focused in on what it means to walk in the light. See, John in his first general letter tells us that if we walk in the light as he is in the light, that is, God is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. In other words, we have fellowship with God. Now think about that a minute. Fellowship with God. You know, we use that word fellowship in a lot of different contexts. Generally, growing up in the church, generally the word fellowship meant eating. If you were going to fellowship, you had to eat, right? It didn't necessarily matter what you ate, but it meant eating, sitting around, visiting, talking with each other, and having a good time. So what John's describing for us here is our fellowship with God Himself. He says the way we have fellowship with God is to walk in the light as He is in the light. But he also adds an important fact at the end of that verse when he says, and, not only do we have fellowship with God, and the blood of Jesus Christ. That means His sacrifice on the cross keeps on continually cleansing us from all sin. 
Now, some people get the idea that, not a lot, but a few, get the idea that when you've accepted Jesus as your personal Savior, when you come to know Him and are actually born of the Spirit, as Jesus told Nicodemus, a lot of people get the idea that you have at that point arrived. That, man, this is good. In fact, evangelists over the years have counted that as a measure of success for the kingdom. How many souls were saved? How many conversions were made? Etc., etc. However, the problem with that is you haven't arrived when you accept Jesus as your personal Savior. You've just begun. You see, accepting Christ as your personal Savior is the beginning of a new life. A radically different lifestyle. It's not the fact that you've arrived, but you have a new life. A new life in Christ. What we're really trying to understand in this series that I'm teaching you on, I call Walking Backwards, is how it is we're going to live that life, that new life. Obviously, to have a new life, you've got to be a new person that is free from sin, that is free from what John calls here the darkness. A careful study of not only chapter 1, 1 John, but also chapter 2 tells us that there are two primary conditions for walking in the light. The one we've been emphasizing over and over again for the last couple of weeks is that when you walk in the light as He is in the light, you see things, including yourself, the way God sees you. How many of you realize that how you see yourself and how other people are usually different? I mean, there's a little overlap. Okay. But for the most part, the way you see yourself is different from the way other people see you. That causes a lot of confusion in our relationships, but in ourselves. That's hard enough to deal with in terms of convincing others how you see yourself or them convincing you how they see you. That's difficult in and of itself. But the key ingredient for that, the key that is necessary for that insight is being able to see yourself as you really are. The way God sees you. See, that's your real self. It's not the self you think you are. It's not the self other people think you are. It's the self that God created when you were born again. That's the self 
that we need to learn about, and that is a greater part of the light John is talking about when he says, if we walk in the light as He is in the light. What does that mean? We're able to see ourselves the way we really are. Now let's advance on that just a little bit. How are you really? I'll use myself as an example. Right? I am born of the Spirit. And as such, as such, I am a brand new creation in Christ. I am holy and without blame before love and God. I'm eternally loved and respected by God. This new person that God has made me to be is inseparably joined to Christ. So that what's true of Christ is true of me. That's how God sees me. But there's another part to me that God also sees that we need to see if we're really going to walk in the light and see ourselves the way God sees us. That part of me is what's left over from the natural person I was born into this world as, as a natural descendant of Adam. And that leftover part of this natural person is not pretty. There's nothing good about it. As Paul describes it in Galatians chapter 5, the works of the flesh are these. And he goes on and lists out a whole list of nasty stuff. Bad stuff. That was part of my nature. That was part of my flesh. That's why, in fact, I had to be born again. I had to become a new person to see God and to love Him and Him love me. So God did this miracle in me. He separated out the real person He made me to be from the leftovers of who I used to be called the flesh. Nothing pretty about the flesh. God hate, God loves me. Brand new person I am. But He hates the flesh, which is indwelling sin. So in order to see myself as God sees me, I'm going to have to look at both. I'm going to have to see myself as a brand new person created in Christ. And I'm going to have to see that I live in a sin-cursed body with the flesh in it because nothing happened to my body. I still have the leftovers of who, who I used to be. Now, this is a difficult concept for people to grab hold of. I understand. But once you do, once you begin to make that separation between the real person you are, like Christ, 
And that flesh that you were born into that's opposed to Christ, once you make that distinction and you see both sides, you're walking in the light because you're walking the way in what God sees you and how He sees you. So walking in the light means you're living with an understanding that you are a brand new person created in Christ, but still live in a mortal, sin-cursed body that has the flesh in it. Now typically, religious ideas says that you can somehow rehabilitate the flesh. Even though that natural mind we were born with is enmity against God, not subject to the law of God, neither can, can be. A lot of people try to rehabilitate the flesh. God didn't try to rehabilitate the flesh at all. He didn't try to rehabilitate the old person you were. What he did, point blank, was to crucify that old person with Christ, bury him once and for all, and raise up a new person to take its place. He didn't try to rehab you. He regenerated you. And see, there's a big difference between rehabilitation and regeneration. Rehabilitation just means to return to your former estate. Well, if you return to your former estate, you return to a selfish, self-centered little tick of grievances and ailments that's opposed to God. That's what rehab does. Regeneration makes you a brand new person. Radically different. One who is in Christ. One who is just like Jesus. One who is joined inseparably to Christ. That's who you really are. So walking in the light just simply means you see yourself as well as other people the way God does. See, Paul discovered that and talked to us about that in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 when he said, from now on, well, first of all, he said, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Brand new creation. Born of God. So as a result of that, Paul said, therefore, I'm not going to recognize any man according to the flesh. What do you mean? What does he mean by that? I'm not going to look at that nasty old leftovers that you still have in this mortal body that flashes when you don't want it to. I'm not going to look at you that way. From now on, I'll recognize no man after the flesh, he says. How is Paul looking at others? Through the eyes of God, he sees them as a brand new person created in Christ Jesus. Yes, we still live in the same sin-cursed body. No, we are not fully realizing exactly who we are right now. That will come in time. But walking in the light means you see both. You don't let go of one or the other. You see, if you let go of your identity in the flesh, you say you have no sin. You say it's not your fault. 
You rationalize, deny, distort reality to the point where you have no sin. In Romans 8, or verse 8 rather, of 1 John 1, he says, look, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Now notice he didn't say you deceive other people because they see right through your scam. We deceive ourselves. So we don't deny that we still have that propensity and tendency of unbelief and sin, living in this sin-cursed body. See, Paul recognized that, as we've already studied, and recorded in his personal testimony in John chapter, or rather in Romans chapter 7, when he said, if I do what I don't want to do, it's no longer I do it, but sin that dwells in me. And he made that distinction between the new person he was and indwelling sin. And he went on to say, what I do, I don't understand. Because when I want to do what's right, I can't do it. When I want to quit doing what's wrong, I do it anyhow. Even though he made that distinction between the real person he was and that flesh that was in the same body with him, he recognized he had no ability to change it. I've got no ability to change it. Now, walking in the light, when you recognize, as Paul did, that you're this new man surrounded by the body of this death and that you're incapable of changing that on your own, you do what John suggests here in verse 9. He says, if we confess our sins, if we agree with God that we still have this nasty flesh, He, God, is faithful, meaning every time, and just, absolutely fair because he paid for it to send those sins away. Get rid of them. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now the example we use from the Gospels, particularly the Gospel of John, verse 13, I talked to you about this last week, was Jesus washing his disciples disciples' feet in the upper room. Remember? When he came to Peter, Peter, of course, pulled up and didn't want him to wash his feet. But he told Peter, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part in me. What does he mean by that? If you are one with Christ, he is going to continually be removing, eliminating that flesh in you. But it's Him doing it, not you. He is doing a work in you that is astounding. He is actually changing you from the inside out. That's what He mean by, meant by washing one another's feet. Now the good news of walking in the light is not just that we see how Jesus eliminates our sins and our dysfunction, but we also see how we 
participate through the Spirit living in us. What do I mean by that? John goes on in chapter 2, and I'm not going to take the time here this morning. It's too hot. I'm sweating too much. But he goes on in chapter 2 to tell you that here's how you know you're walking in the light. You have a love that comes from God toward other believers. You have a love one to another. It's not natural. You have divine love flowing through you. Now he goes on in chapter 2 to make this case. In no uncertain terms, he says, look, if you're walking in the light, you love your brother. But if you're walking in darkness, you hate your brother. See, walking in light frees us from the fleshly, self-centered desires to actually be able to love another like Christ. Well, how does it do that? I'm not going to belabor the point here. I'm going to be quick and summarize it for you. The way God works in us to cause us to change from the inside out, to change from a self-centered taker who only cares about himself to a Christ-centered giver, the way he changes us is by first giving us a new identity. And that new identity is in Christ. He doesn't recognize you as that same old person you've always been. Selfish and self-centered. No, no. He recognizes you as a brand new person that He created. A brand new person created to walk in the light. A brand new person created to love other people just like Jesus does. The two things that John reveals to us about this walking in light, seeing ourselves as we really are, seeing other people as they really are, and loving them even though they yet possess that flesh is a miraculous thing that only God can produce. But again, how does He do this? I want to close with one verse out of Second Corinthians again, chapter 3. It's a verse that is packed with information concerning what God does for us that we couldn't do for ourselves. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, he's talking about this change, this amazing change of God working in us to produce in us a new character. Let me just read the verse to you. It's the last verse of the chapter, but it encapsulates and summarizes what we're talking about in terms of walking in the light. He says, but we all, that's all of you, along with Paul, along with me, but we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed 
into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. I told you there was a lot in this verse, so let's take it apart. He's talking about changing believers here. That's clear when he says, we all. He's talking about changing you. Right here. And what it's going to take to change you. He says, we all beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord. Now this is where it gets a little technical and difficult to understand. It better be translated, would better translate as, we all looking into a mirror continuously. That's what he means by beholding steadfastly in a glass the glory of the Lord. We're looking into a mirror. Now, in case you wonder what that mirror is that you're going to be looking into, the mirror is the Word of God. Did you know that? Yeah. It's the Scriptures. It's the Bible. Well, you may have interpreted it this way all your life, but I want to tell you a different way to do it. You may have thought of the Bible as being a rule book that tells you what you ought to do and ought not to do as a Christian. If you believe that's true, you've missed the whole point. That's not what the Bible is. The Bible is not a rule book. Even though it has commands in it, ten in the Old Testament, over a thousand in the New Testament, the Bible is not a rule book given to you so you can know what the rules are and follow them. Because even if you knew what the rules are, you still couldn't follow them. So that's not why the Bible was given to us. The Bible is a mirror. The Bible, God's Word, was given to us to illustrate and expressly dictate who you really are in Christ. That's why it was there. That's why Paul told Timothy, his disciple, he said, I want you to study to show yourself that you are approved of God. See, when you study the Scriptures, you're not studying them to show yourself how guilty you are, how screwed up you are because you don't meet up to the standards. No, no, no. That's not the reason you study the Bible. Now, I know that's typical to religious settings, but that's not the truth. The truth is you study the Scriptures for one purpose and one purpose only, and that is to show yourself who God has made you to be, who you really are in Christ. So how does this work out in 2 Corinthians 3.18? Well, we're steadfastly beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. Glory of the Lord. Now, who's the glory of the Lord? Well, we know the theme of the Bible all the way through from Genesis to the revelation of Jesus Christ is, in fact, the glory of the Lord Jesus. So when you look into the mirror, who do you see? Well, normally when you look in a mirror, who do you see? You get up in the morning and you'll look in the mirror. 
If you saw somebody else in there, you would freak out, right? You see yourself. When you look into a mirror, you see how you really look. And sometimes that scares me when I do that. I remember years ago, I came off a colt that I was trying to break, landed on my butt, and I had to fly all the way to Montana and do a retreat out there for a bunch of cowboys. And I flew all the way out there and finally made it, took me all day, got introduced to him, did a little lesson that night. I was finally exhausted and ready to go to bed. I went in to take a shower, took off the clothes, and walked by a full-length mirror. It scared the dickens out of me. I didn't realize it, but I was bruised from the middle of my back all the way down my leg. Where'd that come from? See, you look into a mirror to see who you are, to see what you look like. That's the normal use of the mirror. But here, he sees we look in the mirror to see Jesus, the glory of the Lord. Well, how are we going to reconcile these two? You look into this mirror, the Word of God, to see who God has made you to be in Christ, in Jesus. You all follow me on that? That's the only reason to study Scripture. The only reason to study the Scripture is to see the Gospel, the good news that God has made you a brand new person revealed in the Scriptures for you. And He does teach you personally and reveals that to you personally through His Spirit. But what happens when we do that? What happens when we look into the mirror to see who God has made us to be? You are changed. Now, it's important that you understand that's written in the passive voice, which means somebody changes you, not you change yourself. See, a lot of religious folks will tell you that you need to study the Bible to figure out, figure out what the rules are. And when you see that you're not meeting up to the rules, you need to change yourself to be like Jesus. You can't change yourself. The only way you can change is when God changes you by His Spirit. That's why He goes on to say, you are changed. Who's changing you? God. Into the same image. Now listen to that. What's He changing you into? Christ. The glory of the Lord. That's God working in you to shape and mold that new person you are to be just like Jesus. That's His work. That's what He's doing. Now, it's a work in progress, I'll guarantee you. It's developmental. And He illustrates that in the next phrase of this verse when He says we are changed into the same image from glory to glory. There's a change of development, a growth process. You become more and more 
like Christ. How does that happen? By you steadfastly beholding in that mirror who God said he made you to be, the real person you are. And how does the change occur? He goes on to say, even as by the Spirit of God. In other words, the Holy Spirit changes you into the same image. God himself changes you through that indwelling Spirit into the same image as Christ. So we are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. You see, this whole process of walking in the light is walking like Jesus walked. If you want to summarize what that's like, walking in love, walking with compassion and understanding for everyone around you, regardless of their behavior, being able to love the unlovable with that supernatural love that Jesus commanded us to love one another with. You see, that change occurs when you're walking in the light. So walking in the light is not just that you get rid of your sins, your shortcomings, etc. But you do that in preparation to be able to love other people like Christ. The, the ultimate goal in walking in the light is the ultimate goal of the Christian life. And that is to be Christ to other people around you. In your own home. On your job. In the community. Wherever you may be. To actually display the character of Christ. Now when I say be Christ, I'm not talking about being religious. You haven't been called to be religious and go around promoting yourself like the Pharisees. No. You've been called to be Christ. And the best description I have of being Christ is what Paul lists out in Galatians in opposition to the works of the flesh as the fruit of the Spirit. What the Spirit produces in you. What is that fruit? Love. Joy. Peace. You talk about a wonderful life. Love, joy, and peace. Long-suffering. No short fuses. Gentleness. Take it easy with people. Kindness. Especially to those who don't deserve it. Faith. The faith of Jesus. Imagine that having the same kind of faith Jesus had. Meekness. You're not a know-it-all. You're willing to learn. And finally, self-control. Being able to control your own life through the Spirit of God. You see, there is no greater lifestyle. There is no greater life to be lived than walking in the light as He is in the light. And in that respect, we fulfill our calling, our high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let's close with a word of prayer. Father God, as we come in your presence, we thank you.
I praise you, Father, for all that you've done for us in your Son, Jesus. I ask you, Father, to open our eyes, the eyes of our understanding and our heart, that we might see the light and walk in the light. I ask you, Father, to do this for your sake, to glorify your Son, Jesus, through each one of us, representing him here on this earth. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Appreciate you all being here, enduring the heat. I think I'm going to go home and change my shirt. Maybe next week it'll be cooler. Go in peace. Thank you again for listening. If you want more access to Alpha Ministries teaching, you can like us on Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and visit our website. All times and dates for services and other events are on our website listed in the show notes. 